If you're visiting here this morning for the first time, it's good to have you here on this Resurrection Sunday. I know sometimes when you come to a new church, you're like, what? you don't know what to expect, you're a little uncomfortable, you don't know anybody. But hopefully as we go through our time together and at the end, we'll just hopefully show you some ways that you can connect and be encouraged by other people, that you can uh, relax a bit. Maybe you're here as a Christian, you're just here looking for uh, a church in the area, maybe you're from out of town, or maybe you're not even uh, a Christian right now, you're just searching, you're just trying to figure things out. I'm just glad that you're here this morning, it's good to have you. I don't know if you're aware of this, but a few months ago, the famous atheist Christopher Hitchens died. And I I really, you know, for an atheist, I really like the guy, you know. I like to read his books. He he wrote a lot of books. And one of his books you may have heard of is called God is Not Great, How Religion Spoils Everything. What I like about the guy is he was so eager to debate Christians all the time. He's He's, you maybe you've seen him some of his own popular debates on YouTube or online. He really likes to debate Christians. And one of the Christians that he's debated before, he saw him uh, at, a, at a dinner party in Washington. And at this dinner party, Christopher Hitchens is always eager to debate, cornered this guy in the food pantry and started debating with him in the food pantry. And he wanted to debate with him about the legitimacy of the Gospels. And he started going through some of the narratives and whether they were true or not, whether some of the miracles happened or not. And he was debating about the Gospels. And as they were wrapping it up and talking, I guess, about the resurrection, Christopher Hitchens said this. He says, suppose Jesus of Nazareth did rise from the dead. What would that prove anyway? That's a good question. I like that question. So let's just suppose, suppose that he did come back to life. So what? What what does that prove? I mean, we as Christians, this is what we're all about. We believe that Jesus died and came back to life, right? And that that is the main thing. Like, like I'm not joking. If he didn't come back to life, I'm out of here. I I tell my kids all the time, we're, we're just hanging around the home, and they're just minding their own business, and I'll tell them, guys, Jesus didn't come back to life. I'm quitting my job. I'm out of here, and I suggest you leave as well. Because I'm telling you, we are not here to gather for morality tales. We're not here for some feel-good spirituality. If Jesus didn't rise, we should all be out of here because we're wasting our time. But as Christians, we believe the Bible, and we say that Jesus not only died, but three days later, he came back to life. But the question we're going to ask this morning is, so what? What does that prove? So for those of you who may be skeptics, maybe wondering whether he did rise from the dead, just go with us this morning and say, okay, what if he did rise from the dead? What would that prove anyway? There are many times we gather on Easter, you may have sat through many sermons where the preacher is trying to offer proofs for the resurrection. You're like... 20 reasons why Jesus for real rose from the dead. And proof, 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 proof. And I'm sure I've preached many sermons like that. I probably will in the future. But we're not going to do that today. Today we're going to say, okay, he rose. What is that proof? And there there are many of you who may be here and you're searching for airtight arguments on Christianity. You're searching for airtight arguments to believe why you believe. And you want to have every single thing figured out. Well, I heard this last week someone say, you may be looking for an airtight 
argument, but God sent an airtight person, his son, Jesus Christ. So keep searching for your airtight argument, but consider his airtight son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at his life and his death and his resurrection, and we're going to say, okay, what does that prove? So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Matthew. If you don't know where it's at, look in the table of contents. Can't find it? Look, someone next to you can show you where it's at. We've been going through the book of Matthew, looking at Jesus' birth, his ministry, and his death, and now his resurrection. And it is very refreshing to come to the resurrection because this year, as we've been going through Matthew, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, Jesus has been slammed around. He's been spit upon. He's been denied. And he's been deserted. And everything bad that can happen, it's been happening to Jesus. And finally, we're, we're here at the resurrection. And I don't want to be crass, but I just kind of want to say, in your face, you know, like in your face, he has come back to life. He is now alive. All those scoffers and haters and everything else, he is who he said he was, and he has now come back to life. And so we're going to look at his resurrection. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. Let's go. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. How many of you grew up going to sunrise services? Like, like whose idea was that? <laughs> you know, let's just get up as early as we can and go to a sunrise service. Well, it's because these women, before dawn, go to visit the tomb. And they're going there, and they're expecting to have it heavily guarded with soldiers and sealed, but they're in for a great surprise. Verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. You remember there was an earthquake at Jesus' death and now there's an earthquake at his resurrection. And so as the earth shakes, an angel with the appearance, as it tells us, lightning and clothes white as snow comes down, rolls the stone away and sits on it. Now, maybe growing up, you, you've heard this story before, and you think, oh, he comes, he rolls the stone away so Jesus can get out. It's like you maybe have this picture. Jesus, he's come back to life, and yet he's stuck in the tomb. I can't get out of this tomb. I need someone to move the stone. That's not the story. Because when Jesus came back to life, he can, like, walk through walls. So the angel blows the stone away, not so that Jesus can get out. It's so that the women can look in. Verse 4. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You see, when angels show up in the Bible, people are almost always scared. I don't know who ever thought of this idea of these cute little figurines and representations of angels on greeting cards. It just doesn't do them justice. Because you want to talk about something scary, talk about angels. And these, these, these guards at the tomb, they're trembling with fear. And the Bible tells us they became like dead men. Don't you love that? So here are the guards. The dead man they are supposed to guard is alive and they are alive, and now they look 
dead. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great truth. But the women are scared as well. Look at verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. So let's get kind of started here. Like, what does the resurrection prove? So here we go with, I guess, the first thing that the resurrection proves. The resurrection of Jesus proves that Jesus' words are legit. All of his claims are true. The resurrection proves that Jesus' words are legit. All of his claims are true. And you say, well, how so? Well, look at verse 6 again. The angel said, he is not here, for he has risen as he said. Jesus said repeatedly that he was going to die, and three days later, he was going to come back to life. This didn't just happen to him. He said this is what was going to happen. If, if you know somebody who says they're going to die, and then they're going to come back to life three days later, you may think they're crazy. Unless it actually happened that way. He died, came back to life, and he never died again. You should listen to that guy. What does he have to say? Obviously, he must have divine backing because God, the Father, raised him back to life as if to say, listen to what my son has to say. His claims and his words are legit. And perhaps you, you've grown up with the Bible and maybe you've thought some things that Jesus has said before and maybe you've kind of brushed them off. You're too busy. You've got other things going on. You don't want to give him much mind. But come on now, the resurrection of Jesus should at least make you revisit some of his claims because his claims have connection to you. His claims have connection to, to all of humanity. And you may think, I'm not connected to Jesus. His resurrection should at least make you reconsider his claims. Let me put it like this. In here, there are single women. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but there are a lot of single women here right now. And one day, most of you single women hope to get married. Now, at the same time, there are single guys in here who hope to get married as well. But for the most part, the single women are ignoring you. Because there's just, they don't know you. They don't have much connection to you. They've, they've, maybe they've not even met you. And so they come, they come to church, sing the songs, listen to the sermon, and they leave and they ignore you. But let's just say that... I went up to one of the single girls after the service today, and I had, uh, I came up to one of you, you women, and, and, and I, I came up in pastoral confidence and a little bit of, of junior high excitement, and I told you that there is a boy who likes you. Whoa, like, he likes you. He, he has interest in you. And, and you would say, well, who is it? And you would want to know about that boy. And you would want to know what's he like. What's everything about him. You'd want me to start telling you stuff. Because now the guy you've been ignoring, there is somehow a possible connection. And that's what we're saying about Jesus. You may have been ignoring him, 
But his resurrection should make you revisit his claims on your life. Because he says things that connect with you. He says he's come to save you, to rescue you from your sins, to bring you into relationship with the Father. And he is the only one. His resurrection shows that he has claims that you need to pay attention to. And I think Easter Sunday is a great day to revisit some of his claims when you go home in the afternoon and maybe thumb through some of the Gospels and say, what is it that he said again? Because he has some claims that connect with you. Well, let's get back into our story. Now, verse 7. The angel says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Uh, Let's just stop there. I mean, it's amazing how we can just sit in here in church and read this. We're talking about an angel. Most of you probably have not met an angel. Maybe you have. And the angel's saying that someone who's dead is now alive. That's really, really significant. And so I think this brings us to another something that we can prove uh, from Jesus' resurrection. The second issue I want you to consider is that the resurrection of Jesus proves that he has conquered death. He, he, he came back to life never to die again. Proves that he's conquered death. That's a big deal. Every single person in here, you're going to die. Unless Christ comes back before your death, you're all going to die. For sure, no matter what, you're going to die. It's just going to happen. You know that. Two doors down from me, uh, we have some sweet neighbors. They're, they're retired. They're, they're older. And we talk to them all the time. And when they were working, they lived at and ran a funeral home. And so they have overseen hundreds and thousands of burials at the funerals. And so what happens, he would get the people after they were dead, and and me, and I guess you want to say my profession, I speak to the living, and sometimes I speak to the living until right before they die. I've had instances where I'm talking to people right before they die. And then this is what happens at funerals. Uh, he, he, he and I, and people like him and me, we come together at the funeral. I interact with funeral directors when we do these funerals. We come together at the funeral. Now, this is, um, this is my experience, his experience as well. So far, we've never called one of these things off. We've never said, well, you know what? It came back to life. Well, good. I didn't want to work today anyway. I mean, that's never happened. It's like, this is a done deal. This is final. But with Jesus, came back to life. Never to die again. He defeated death. We were singing that song, leaving death in his grave. He comes back and he leaves death in his grave. But what does that prove? What does that prove? It proves that he dealt with the ultimate cause of death. What is the ultimate cause of death? You're like, well, my heart starts beating. Or I get cancer and die. That's what caused... No, no. The ultimate cause of death is sin. Because of sin, when it entered the world, all humans die physically and spiritually and separation from God. The final outcome, as you can so to speak, is, is sin. But with Jesus... He goes through death. Check it out. He goes through death in the tomb, and he makes it through the final outcome of of, of death, and he comes back to life. He was holy. He was perfect. And so he was able to conquer sin and leave death in its grave and come back to life. 
And you may say, well, that's good for him. That's good for Jesus. But as far as I know, I'm still going to die. You're still going to die. Good for Jesus. He conquered death. But what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with you? Because we still die. There's a passage in the Bible of a great story. Maybe you've heard it before. It's another guy who came back to life. Oh, yeah, there is another guy in the Bible who, who died and then came back to life. But his wasn't a resurrection. It was more of a resuscitation. You know, Lazarus was dead. Days, days, days. And then Jesus raised him back. And then eventually Lazarus died. Jesus did never die again. Lazarus died. But during that whole scene, Jesus spoke to one of his sisters. And this is the interaction he had with Martha. He said this to her in John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So get this. For those who believe in Jesus... Death is not the end. There's none of this eternal separation from God. After we die physically, we will live on eternally with God the Father because Jesus conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered this separation from the Father. But for those of you, and I don't want to harp on this, but I do want to mention it because this is legit. For those of you who who are, are not trusting Christ for your salvation, not trusting Christ to be reconciled to the Father, you will die as well physically. But the Bible says that you will be separated from God forever in a place called hell. A place of suffering that will go on forever because of sin. Because God is holy and must punish sin. But he sent his son Jesus to conquer death so that we can put our faith in Christ, pass through death, and live on forever with the Father. And it's good news. And it's good news for the living right now because you can respond to the gospel. For those of you who have not responded yet, it's, it's not too late. You're still alive. You're still alive. I, I did a funeral yesterday. It was interesting doing a funeral on a Saturday of the Good Friday, and then you have um, the, the Sunday, the resurrection. But you just, I just think when, when we are at funerals, we think, okay, this is it. I mean, the, there's no more decisions for Christ and repentance and belief. There's no more uh, walking. With, you know, it, this, this is it. And so it just, I just think about the finality and how we, as those who are living, can still respond to the gospel while we still have breath. So the resurrection of Jesus proves that his words are legit, his claims are true. It proves that he's conquered death. But let's just kind of linger at his resurrection for a moment because it also proves, I like this part, it proves that Satan has been conquered. The resurrection of Jesus proves that Satan has been conquered. And I want you to listen to a couple passages. I'll put them up on the screen for you. We'll start with Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death we're subject to lifelong slavery. Let me put another passage up for you in Colossians 3.15. Very appropriate. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, I don't know if you think about Satan much. I don't know if you think about demons much. I don't know if you think they are real, but 
The Bible says they're real. I believe they're real. And throughout history, Satan and his evil angels have been deceiving humans to sin. And he wants them to stay under the penalty of sin and death and separation from God. His goal for humans is to, is to stay in this unforgiven state which leads to eternal death in hell. But what's so significant about the cross and resurrection of Jesus is that in the cross and resurrection, Satan's power to keep us locked in to sin and separation from God has just been smacked. It's been defeated. He has been conquered. So if, if Satan comes up to a believer and tries to accuse you and say, you're going to hell, you are condemned, you are separated from God, his accusation is baseless, and it's baseless because Christ crucified and resurrected. Baseless accusations against believers. But that does not mean that Satan will not come after you. Maybe as a believer, you have been uh, experiencing a significant amount of satanic opposition. He is a roaring lion. He is very hungry. He's looking to devour. And there are times where I guess the opposition can be so strong, it can be, you, can, you can feel it, experience it, and in a sense, you uh, can be discouraged by it. Personally, my wife and I have been wondering recently if we have been under a significant amount of opposition. I'm not that kind of guy that looks for a devil under every rock. You're not going to hear my language talking always about demons, devils, getting me. Not going to do it. But there is a period of our life right now where we think we are under opposition. Okay? Let me tell you why. Over the last five and a half months, my family, someone in my family, we're not talking about my media team that lives in my house, we're not talking about relatives or anything else, my, my family, we have been to the ER, emergency room, six times in the last five and a half months. I mean, I'm, I'm, I talked to one of my friends on Friday night, he said, have you been to the ER this week? I said, it's not over yet. I mean, you just, just like, when's it going when's, when's to be happening next? And, and, and get this, I don't think it's like, oh, it's just coincidence. Or like, oh, you have six kids, what do you expect? You know? <laughs> You're going to go to the ER all the time. No, I, I think the, at least four of the ER visits surrounded us when we were taking steps of faith. And I'm telling you, if you take steps of faith and you stick your neck out for Jesus, and you, he, he's going to come after you, Satan is. Don't even be afraid, but he's going to come after you. You're going to face opposition. So let me explain this to you. This is not coincidence. So some of you know that we, we brought this, this beautiful six-month-old boy into our home in December. You know, little foster boy. He's wonderful. Had a hard time. That was a step of faith for us. But the day before we brought him in, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my kids ended up in the ER. Now, we didn't know we were getting the foster boy the next day. So the next morning we get this call. Hey, there's this boy. He's been abandoned. Can you take him in? We're like, great. We go downtown, we, we pick him up, we bring him home. So we had this little boy, and then a few hours later, someone in my family again goes to the ER. And you go, well, that's just a coincidence. I mean, it's a coincidence. Come on. ER, ER, oh, coincidence. Okay, I'll give you that one. Coincidence. So we're just minding our own business. We've gone to the ER a few more times since then. And then two weeks ago, my wife and my daughter go on a mission trip to Haiti. Big step of faith, sending them out, going to do the, the mission in, in Haiti. And while they're there, my oldest son, what, what happened to him? Went to the ER. That'd be ER visit number five. 
We're like, what is going on? Then my wife and daughter get home from Haiti. A few days later, ER visit number six, my wife goes to the ER. We're like, what is the deal? And I believe it's because we're stepping out. And Satan, maybe he's trying to discourage us with our circumstances. Maybe he's trying to say, God is against you. You ought to quit stepping out. God hates you. You're going to hell. Why don't you go off and sit? I don't know what the thoughts that are going in our, going in our head. But here's the reality. Satan's accusations are baseless because Jesus Christ has been killed on a cross. He came back to life. I am fully accepted through his finished work. And Satan's doom is sure because he's been conquered in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And if you're facing a significant amount of opposition right now, the truth is you are loved and accepted and your father through Jesus Christ. He came back to life proving that his claims are legit came back to life proving that death has been dealt with. He came back to life proving that Satan has been conquered. Well, let's keep going. Keeps getting better. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Now, now jump down to verse 10 because he says the same thing again. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to, now check it out again, Galilee. And there they will see me. So the, the women are saying, go tell the disciples he's risen from the dead. And they were to meet up in Galilee. Do you know what's so significant about Galilee? Do you remember what happened in Galilee? Well, in Galilee, Peter, the one who denied him, was restored. He had his sins uh, forgiven for denying Jesus. And uh, presumably, the rest of the disciples were also restored because they all bailed on him. And so you think, okay, Galilee, forgiveness of sins. Okay, what does the resurrection of Jesus prove? Here we are again. The resurrection of Jesus proves that the cross worked. Sins are forgiven and wrath is averted. Someone had put it like this. They said like, if God did not raise Christ from the dead, he would essentially be saying, I am not satisfied with your atoning work on behalf of sinners. But because Jesus did rise from the grave, the father said, okay, all my wrath I poured out on you for sinners was sufficient. The cross has worked. My wrath has been turned away from sinners. They can now be forgiven through faith in my son, come back to life and power. It proves that the cross worked. There's a, a famous passage in Corinthians. It's very significant. It comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 17. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Like if Jesus did not raised from the dead, it's like the Father saying, the atonement did not work, it was not sufficient. But because Christ has been raised from the dead, we're saying there is forgiveness for those who repent and believe. Do you, you get this? Because Jesus rose from the dead, there's no penalty left for those of us who believe. It's not like, it's not like Jesus pays some, and then you pay some, and then somehow you go to heaven. That's not the way it works. It's like saying, Jesus bore the wrath of God 
fully for those who repent. And so there's nothing left for you to pay. Your sins are really forgiven. I'll make sure you get this. There is a gas station, maybe you've seen it, kind of at the corner of Oakton and McCormick. Like some of you, I know you don't have cars, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But there's this gas station at the corner of Oakton and McCormick. It's a shell station. And I ride my bike. I ride my bike to work, so I'm being really green. So thank you. But, uh, so I'm, I'm riding my bike to work, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm coming up to this gas station. I see it all the time. But on this day that I'm riding my bike, <clears throat> they're giving away gas for free. Did anybody fill up that day? No? Nobody? Okay. guess you don't have cars. But anyway, I'm, I'm riding my bike, and I'm weaving around all these cars. Because they're all the way back on the Cormac, and they're oaked, and they're everywhere. Because they want free gas. You can fill up and pay nothing. Now, the best part that I like about this free gas giveaway is when I finally weave my way up to the gas station. This is the best thing. Instead of the price for gas saying something like, what is it, about six bucks now a gallon? No, six or seven, whatever. Instead of it saying that, zero, 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 zero. No, awesome. Have you ever seen that before? Zero. It's like there's this all across zeros. So you can come, fill up, and they're like, we got it taken care of. You don't have to pay anything. You be full, walk away, totally full, be done. Isn't that awesome? And I was thinking, oh, what has happened in the death and resurrection of Jesus? For those of us who believe in Jesus, there's like, there's no payment left. It's free. And get this, not only are our sins forgiven, but we are filled up with the righteousness of Jesus. The Father in his eyes views you as righteous in Christ. It's like, I don't want to be all too technical here, but it's, it's been, his righteousness has been imputed to you, given to you, and he sees you righteous in Christ. And that's how he can accept you. And it doesn't cost. Let me give you a verse here. Romans 4.25. It speaks of Jesus who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So in the cross, we're forgiven, but we're also justified, which means we're declared righteous in his eyes. And I want to make sure you get this, because this is where it gets really confusing for some of us. We think, I need my sins forgiven. True statement, we need our sins forgiven. But it's not like we repent, and then, and then the Father says, okay, now you're back to a neutral state. You were a sinner, I just forgave you, now you're neutral. No, 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 no. We don't get into heaven because we're neutral, because we are forgiven of our sins, and God says, we need to be filled up. We need righteousness. And so we get accepted by the Father because our sins are forgiven, and now God declares, looks upon us with full righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? The cross worked, and the resurrection is proof that the cross worked. So I hope you're tracking so far. His resurrection proves that his claims are legit. It proves that Satan has been conquered. Death has been dealt with. His resurrection as well proves that the cross worked. Well, let's, let's finish up here. Finish up with our text here. Back in verse 8. Back to the resurrection scene. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Well, I like this combination of fear and joy. They're a little struck by what just transpired, and yet they're full of joy at the resurrection of Jesus. And they're, they're sent to witness to the disciples. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And this is the best part. Watch. And they came up 
and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. He's not a ghost. They can touch him. And they bow down and worship him. So what is the resurrection proof? Well, the resurrection of Jesus proves that he is divine and must be worshipped. I mean, he's always been the divine son of God. But his resurrection is significant proof of his divinity. Uh, it's been uh, said and argued a variety of different ways. Some have said that Jesus was brought into a neat, new epoch of his personal human existence. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 puts it like this. That Jesus was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. I really want you to understand this. Um, This morning, somebody in our church actually went to a sunrise service down here at the lake in Rogers Park. They show me these awesome pictures of the sun coming up. And as the sun is coming up, you you can see it on the horizon. And and just taking that and, and looking at it and thinking about the resurrection of Jesus like this. As the sun, just as the horizon, you got, the, you got this clear demarcation line dividing the earth from the sky. The resurrection of Jesus clearly divides him from the rest of humanity. And his resurrection proves that he is different. No one has risen from the dead never to die again. Separates him from the rest of humanity, proving that he is the divine son of God and he is the one that should be worshipped as our Lord. We don't just get in here and sing about some guy who's teaching us nice moral tales. We're not just singing about a guy who makes us feel better. We're talking about reality, death, resurrection of the divine son of God and we worship him. We worship him with our songs. We worship him with our lives. He is worthy to be worshipped. For he, the one, has borne our sin, buried and rose again, and we worship him. So what is the resurrection of Jesus' proof? Claims are legit. Death is dealt with. Satan is conquered. Cross worked. He's divine and must be worshipped. And I want to kind of just wrap it all together and just kind of make it connect it with you. And if I'm going to connect it with you, because Jesus is connected with you in some way or another. And I'm going to connect it with you for those of you who are believers. Here's the last one. The resurrection of Jesus proves that those who have faith in Christ are indestructible. <laughs> like for real. <laughs> what can be done to us? Our enemy's been dealt with. Our sins have been dealt with. God's wrath is no longer on us. I, I just kind of wonder, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? I used to have a friend, and the way he dealt with worry, maybe he was worrying about a test he was about to take, or he's worrying about whether he's going to get a job or not, he'd always say to me, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? That I somehow die? Oh, well, if I die, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> so it, it creates in us that are caught up in Christ through faith. It makes us indestructible, and you need this, because what is going to happen is we finish up Matthew over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that Jesus takes his cowardly disciples who are in hiding, they see his death, and then they see his resurrection, and boom, they are unleashed in this worldwide mission of making disciples, and those cowards 
now are ready to die for Jesus, and most of them lay down their life for Christ. How do you turn cowards into these people who are indestructible? It's the resurrection of Jesus. His death and resurrection has unleashed men and women around the world who are out to make disciples and willing to do anything for Christ. We are those unleashed people. On Friday night, I don't know if you were there, but on Friday night we had a good Friday services, and right in the middle of our services we had an awesome baptism service. Eight people were baptized in our church, from young to old. And it was, it was wonderful to, to hear them get up and tell their story, how Jesus came and saved them for their sins. And, and baptism is a wonderful picture because they stand up there and they're saying, look, this is what has happened to me spiritually. I was once dead in my sins. And so what do you do with a dead person? You bury them. So they get buried. They go under the water. They are crucified with Christ and buried. And then something happened to them spiritually as Christ was raised from the dead to walk in newness of life. So they are raised and they're in Christ and they walk in newness of life. And it's what's happening to them because of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's real. And, and so for those of you who, who, who know him, rejoice in that. For those of you who don't, don't know him, you're still living. This is good news for you. You can still repent and believe in Jesus Christ who died for your sins. You can be reconciled to the Father. Your old nasty self can die. And you can be raised new in him. Will today be the day that you repent and believe and trust in Christ? The good news invitation is for you. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for those in here who may be searching, trying to figure things out. Maybe they're looking for an airtight argument and you've sent an airtight person in Jesus Christ and you've come to forgive us of our sins. Bring us into the relationship with the Father. And I just pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that you would speak truth to them, convict them, open their eyes and heart to respond to this, this great gospel. And for those of us who believe, Lord, may we continue to worship and praise you with our lives. And if we have distractions or sin in our life, that we would look to you and find grace and mercy and forgiveness and the ability to change. So, Lord, we worship you and praise you for your death and your resurrection. May all the glory come to you as we just just continue to sing this morning and continue to live our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.